want to tell you about the one who was from the beginning. We have seen him with our own eyes, heard him with our own ears, and touched him with our own hands. This one is the manifestation of the life-giving voice. And he showed us real life, eternal life. We have seen it all, and we can't keep what we witnessed quiet. We have to share it with you. We are inviting you to experience eternal life through the one who was with the Father and came down to us. What we saw and heard, we pass on to you so that you, too, will be connected with us intimately and become family. Our family is united by our connection with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write all this because retelling this story fulfills our joy. That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Well, hello everyone. I'm Neil Parks, and it's so good to have you here today at Fill the Lamp. Last time out, James taught us firmly about favoritism and partiality and how God will hold his creation accountable. Because of favoritism is such a serious sin, James immediately takes us to an awareness of divine judgment and reminds us that we will be judged according to our speech and actions. We were also reminded that the words are a reflection of our heart. And with that said, we have to understand how our works relate to judgment. Scripture says our deeds, or lack thereof, will be judged. This time around, we're going to understand the idea that the faith in our hearts is evidence in the fruit of our lives. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Let's read it out of the voice paraphrase. It says in verse 14, Brothers and sisters, it doesn't make any sense to say you have faith and act in a way that denies that faith. Mere talk never gets you very far, and a commitment to Jesus only in words will not save you. It would be like seeing a brother or sister without any clothes out in the cold and begging for food, and then saying, Peace, my friend, you should get inside where it's warm and eat something. But doing nothing about his needs or her needs, leaving him cold and alone on the street, now what good would your words alone do? The same is true with faith. Without actions, faith is useless. By itself, it's as good as dead. Verse 18, I know what you're thinking. Okay, 
You have faith and I have actions. Now let's see your faith faith without works, and I'll show you a faith that works. Now, in this passage, James converses with an imaginary person, a person who claims to have faith but has no deeds, a person who claims that you can separate faith from works. Now, this was obviously a common thought among James's readers. So he addresses it directly and strongly. We need to walk through these verses carefully and patiently because the possibilities for misunderstanding here abound. We need to see clearly and accurately what Scripture is saying. And along the way, we need to consider how these verses fit with the entirety of Scripture's teaching on faith and works and how these verses radically challenge and change our lives. So now, what does it mean for faith to be dead or useless? It means it doesn't save, in verse 14. It doesn't justify us before God, in verse 24. It is not alive. It is dead, which it means it doesn't exist. The same is true with faith. Without actions, faith is useless. By itself, it's as good as dead. The fact is, faith has to show itself through works performed in faith. If you don't recognize that, then you're an empty soul. Removing action from faith is like removing breath from a body. All you have left is a corpse. Now, James is not contrasting someone who has immature faith with someone who has mature faith, or someone who has nominal faith, and someone who has authentic faith. He's told us that you either have faith that saves, or you don't. There is no in-between. James said in chapter 2, verse 14, that it's possible to claim to have faith, but not actually have it. To claim to have faith and not to be saved. So how do you know if someone has faith that saves? Well, James says that we are to look for fruit. Now, he's not saying that we need to add deeds to faith in order to be saved. He is saying that deeds are the fruit of faith. And that real, true, genuine faith produces that fruit. This means that if there is no fruit, then clearly there is no faith. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, uh, verses 16 through 20, But you, Jesus said, will recognize them by their fruits. 
You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thistles. People in their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly fruit or bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. And what happens to the rotten trees? Well, they're cut down. They are used for firewood. When a prophet comes to you and preaches this or that, look for his fruit, sweet or sour, rotten and ripe. So here we are in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. People who fail to help poverty-stricken fellow believers are in fact not saved. People who claim to be Christians but fail to help brothers and sisters that are destitute and hungry are in fact not saved. Their faith is dead. Now you can do cartwheels all day long all around this text to try and find your way out of this truth, but it is there. This is exactly what 1 John chapter 3, 17 and 18 says. If a person owns the kinds of things we need to make it in this world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? My little children don't just talk about love as an idea or a theory. Make it your true way of life and live in the pattern of gracious love. So James is not teaching that we are saved by our actions. James has made it clear that faith is something that God gives, not something we manufacture. This cannot be stressed enough, my friends. We are saved by the abundant grace and the glorious initiative of God. Acts of mercy are not means to salvation. Acts of mercy are necessary evidence of salvation. Mercy is not optional or an addition to being a Christian. Rather, a life poured out in deeds of mercy is the sign of genuine faith. Now, I would challenge you to read Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. This is faith. And if this fruit, the fruit of providing for the poor, is not evident in our lives, then it is clear that we do not have faith. People who claim to be Christians but fail to help poverty-stricken fellow believers are in fact not saved. With all of that said, I say, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come humbly before you today. 
I pray for each and every listener today that is listening to what Brother James is talking about, about faith and works. Lord, they both go together, but works comes from the believer's faith, faith in action, you can say. Lord, I just praise you and thank you. We lift up everybody here today, and we do it in Jesus' precious name. Well, my friends, it's been good. Been good to be with you. Can't wait until next time. And until then, God bless every one of you. I'm Neil Parks.